This is the Business Storytelling Podcast with Christoph Trapp, available on Google, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, and other podcast channels. Want to play it on your iPhone? Just ask Siri to play the Christoph Trapp Business Storytelling Podcast, also available on Alexa. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Hey, business storytellers, it's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. Thanks for joining me. Another live stream. Looks like we are triggering to all the different networks. Periscope, LinkedIn, Twitter, and my personal Facebook page. So we will see how that works. If anybody pays attention on there, as you might know, I have a love-hate relationship with Facebook. Facebook really just wants my money, so uh, I don't really want to give it to them, but that's the only way to reach people on there today. So today we want to talk about um, how to turn complexity and disruption into innovative futures. And certainly we've had a lot of that in 2020. Um, I just keep emailing people and say 2020 is in full swing and um, they all know what it means um, because it's been a crazy year on so many fronts. So how do we do that? It's time to move forward at some point. And what's interesting about this topic, this is the second time this week that I'm mentioning United Way on the show. I had Seth Godin on the podcast on Tuesday. Uh, you, you might want to listen to that if you like. That was not a live stream, but it is on the podcast channels, AuthenticStorytelling.net forward slash podcast. And I used Seth's um, purple cow methodology 10 years ago. Today's guest might remember that. I put the purple cow on the PowerPoint and said, who has not paid any attention to me because you have been looking at this purple cow? The purple cow, of course, is to do something differently, to try to draw attention um, you know, for your business, for what you're trying to do. And, and that's becoming harder and harder and harder. But nonetheless, it is important to move forward. So today's guest, uh, I first ran across her at United Way. We worked together uh, about a decade ago, roughly. Um, now I'm showing again how old I'm getting. Um, Today, she runs Collective Clarity LLC to help organizations, teams, and people turn complexity and disruption into innovative futures because we really only have one place to go, right? And that's forward. Um, So let's bring her on here. Leslie Wright. Leslie, how's it going today? It's awesome. It's sunny and there's no snow yet. (laughs) But we did have snow earlier. (laughs) Yes. I know. So what a uh, what a year for sure. So tell us about so the company. We'll put up the um, the URL here, collective-clarity.com. Tell us about it. Um, what are you trying to do? How are you helping people? And I know before you jump in, um, I want to tell people. I mean, Leslie is a change agent. I've seen her in action, trying to bring the community together, uh, trying to move things forward. Um, very very deliberate. Um, so it's, it's glad to have you on the show and, and fill us in what, uh, what's happening, uh, what can companies do and how do you work with them? So this comes out of years of experience and you just referenced it, uh, that some of the greatest innovations when it comes to large challenges happen in teams, happen in groups of people, happen across boundaries, So my work is, one, to help build a container that can hold that kind of work and uh, facilitate thinking that looks forward and not back. Uh, One of my favorite mentors right now is Rebecca Ryan, who often talks about how most of our planning 
happens looking backwards. And she asks the question, would you drive across the country looking in your rearview mirror? And the answer all of us would give is not a chance. So um, another piece of this is goes all the way back to my years as a buyer for Target stores. And, you know, how do you pay attention to give credence to the signals and the trends that are emerging around you? Um, there's a lot happening. There's a lot of opportunity. Oftentimes our best creativity gets tapped when we feel pressed. So I want to help people do that in a way that feels like it is giving energy to them, their team, their organization, instead of draining them, instead of feeling like, you know, being washed over by the proverbial wave. Well, the whole looking backwards thing, it's very interesting because certainly we do that, right? We say, hey, how much how much money did we make last year? How do we make that same amount or a little bit more next year? What worked last year? How do we move forward from there? But this year has been just full, full of disruptions. I mean, it's been crazy how things have changed. You know, I my third book came out earlier this year. I was supposed to be on a book tour and then March 12th happened, didn't go anywhere. Um, given keynotes and, and, and talks from this spot right here, Singapore, Istanbul, all over the place. It's not the same, let me tell you. But it is time to move forward. Um, how do people how, how do we how do people even realize that they have to change? Uh, and I know I had somebody on the show, I don't remember who it was, they said most companies know that they have to change, uh, but but they don't. Um, so how do you get to the point where you realize that you have to take action? What's uh, How do you get there? Well, I think you have to look at um, the proverbial S-curve, right? So where are you seeing maturity in things? Um, United Way has been facing this. You know, you referenced this for over a decade. Um, the environment is changing. So certainly you need to do an environmental scan. Um, you need to have some reliable indicators, customer conversations, things like that. But one of the tools that I'm most fond of right now is related to futurist thinking. And actually, there are a couple. One is the futures triangle. So, you know, how is the past impacting your organization? How is the present impacting your organization? And what are, again, those signals and trends, those forces that are drawing you towards a different future? And then the other piece of that, then, is to weave that into scenarios, because you and others have pointed out who really would have predicted this year. We First of all, we wouldn't have wanted to. And scenario thinking helps us explore stories without having to own a particular story. And I think it gives people more freedom to move in and out of ideas. It's a, it's a little less threatening. So how could companies or organizations or collectives, for that matter, experiment with different stories and then figure out what strategies have the most power to help them move through an unpredictable future? I'm currently accepting requests for future virtual and on-site keynotes and workshops. 
In 2020 alone, I've spoken in Singapore and Istanbul, virtually of course, thanks COVID. I can't wait to get back on the road, and if we still can't get on the road in 2021, I would be happy to speak at your event virtually. Please reach out to me, ctrap at gmail.com or authenticstorytelling.net. Yeah, cer certainly I wouldn't want to have predicted this year, quite frankly. <laughs> Um, so you talk about um, the transformative power of curiosity. And what's interesting, so I always talk about, um, you know, everybody always wants answers. How do you do this? How do you do that? How does that drive results today? Uh, is it working yet? No, we just started like literally two seconds ago, right? But, but it's very common that, that everybody wants everything today. And I've been um, uh, preaching and, and trying to live it as well is, you know, the journey. How do you get there? How do you find new things? How do you learn new things? I mean, the example I even give on, on this show is I learned how to live stream, right? I try new channels. We were on Twitch the other day. I still don't really know why. We're not playing any games or anything like that. Um, but it's I'm curious about what should we try next? What should we um, you know, uh, implement and, and what should we not do? And, and the one thing that actually just happened last night, Leslie, Instagram uh, rolled out Instagram Reels. So 15 second, basically like TikToks. And I've been uploading 15 second uh, clips from these podcasts. And the, the one last night, which it's 15 seconds. So we're not even having a conversation, right? It's just like yeah. 15 seconds. It had like 200 views. So I'm like, I think this is worth putting on here. Even, you know, I mean, 200 views. There's some live streams that don't have 200 views when you get started. Um, so, but I'm always curious, but how, how do companies get there and what's the importance of that, that model? I think that raises an important tension though in this, which is the short term, the immediate um, versus deep thinking. So real attention, taking time with ideas is important. And I think you can use those short bursts to trigger curiosity, to trigger a question, and that's a good thing. And you have, have to help people, I call it a shallow entry pool. So how do you move into something that they're not particularly accustomed to, but stay with it long enough to mine or harvest some new ideas? This idea about the power of curiosity became really important and clear to me during my participation in Entrepreneur Academy. So when many of us are working inside organizations that have existed for quite a period of time, how do we get it moving? How do we loosen up? Some of it is simply playing games. Don't call them games because people think that's not work. But um, again, explore ideas that are in proximity to what you do. Explore extreme scenarios and imagine what you might do. Uh, one of my favorite resources for this there is called Game Storming. It's a book. Anyone can use it. You pick it up. It's got short and long games to play that challenge your thinking. Um, so that would be one recommendation I would make. 
is loosen up, but also stay with it. And you've got to have a platform for trust. People take risks together when they know each other well enough, when they have a container to play in that they can trust. So how do, you got to build that. And there are probably people inside any organization or team who are good at that, that have a sensitivity to that. And you've got to have a rhythm to your engagement so people get used to it, build the muscle. But, but trust is a big, uh, big thing, r- really important in organizations. And I, I, I actually, it's funny how people react to when I say this. I had Adam Morgan on the show, Executive Creative Director at Adobe, and I said this to him. So I say, somebody told me that I usually have to say the crappy idea before I ever get to a good one. And so Holly Adams, of course, I don't know if she, she's the one who came up with this or she quoted somebody, but she said um, something about some people talk to think and some people think to talk. And I definitely talk to think. And so it is true. I, I really have to say out loud my crappy idea before I get to a good one, whether you build on it or I build on it myself after I said it. And Adam Morgan, the reason I brought that up, he said to me, well, uh, we get better at doing that. You know, we get better at creating ideas. And I thought about that and I'm like, it's interesting because not everybody creates in the same way, right? But for me, when I'm like, or maybe anybody else who talks who uh, talks to think, if there's no trust, you got some, I don't want to say mean people, but it's very easy for people to turn that around on you, right? And say, Oh my goodness, every idea is terrible. And I'm like, I would agree. Every first idea, like 98% is terrible, right? So how do you, I mean, would you agree with that? <laughs> I, I think everything is in process, right? I, I listened to you speak with Seth about writing and just doing it. And in some of it is about just getting enough stuff out there to play with enough material There are a couple of things that work here. One is that many of us grew up, certainly my generation, with um, a compliance mindset, with a one right answer mindset, and we're afraid to be wrong. Um, But I think the other piece that's at play here is the power of cognitive diversity. And you can get around it in a variety of ways, but how do we in our current climate create a respect and almost a reverence for all the different ways that people come into a conversation. And you really have to set that up explicitly. You have to lay some ground rules. And maybe you say the first 15 minutes, we're all going to put stuff on the table and there's no editing and there's no judgment. We're just putting it all on the table. Or you play another game called the six thinking hats and you invite people intentionally to take a particular perspective. Um, But this notion of cognitive experiential diversity and tapping into it on purpose, I think is an important key for us to make it safe, to explore ideas, to not shut them down before um, it's time. I think the other thing is also related to a lot of the innovation conversation, which is how do you get more agile? How do you learn to test ideas quickly and evaluate them respectfully and iterate? Iteration is 
actually a good thing. Um, so those are a couple of my thoughts about that, I guess. It, it, it is. And I, it, I still think it's hard for people to wrap their head around that. And even when you talk about writing. So last night I noticed I had my first uh, what I would call negative review uh, on the latest book, Content Performance Culture. And it does kind of hurt, you know, a little bit uh, when you read it. Um, but some of the comments, they were like, well, this and this and this and the headings. And and I'm like, yep, I, I agree. And honestly, the one thing I totally, I was going to fix it at some point. I just didn't want to because it didn't work very well in Google Docs, which is how I wrote it, right? Because at that time, I was only using an iPad to write the book. And so, like, I just kind of have to live with it. But Seth Godin said to me uh, earlier this week, Christoph, I write a blog post every day. And his blog posts are pretty short for the most part. But he goes, I write a blog post every day. Not because it's going to be my best blog post, but because it's today. And I said, every day I'm going to publish something. And he goes, every once in a while, I have a good one, right? And so I know some people, when I say that to some people, they will say to me, Oh, you're just throwing stuff at the wall, right? You're not deliberate. Well, I'm totally being deliberate because, right, every time you swing, now you got to get better, certainly, and you got to improve your swing. But every time a baseball or a softball player, they, they swing, they have a chance to hit the ball. And you don't have a chance to hit the ball. I mean, think about the, the live show. We don't have a chance to get this, co- this topic out there if we don't go live. Like, the end, Right? So we have to do it. And sometimes it's good. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, We have had some people on the show talking about diversity yesterday, actually, on the podcast channel, uh, Available Anywhere Business Storytelling Podcast, guys. Michelle Nagomi talked about um, diversity in marketing. And one of the things we talked about, there is, so first in marketing and then also internally on the teams. And there's certainly, in my opinion, there is advantage to have diversity on your team, just diversity of thought, quite frankly. If everybody says, yes, ma'am, or yes, sir, why do you have a leadership team? What's the point? Why do you have any team, right? You can just go do it yourself. Um, so how, how about diversity? How does that play on? And how do you, how do you create, um, you know, how, how do you use the power of diversity, Leslie? Thank you. Obviously, you have to seek it. Um, (laughs) I have been paying attention to that for the last couple of years, in part because of my work at United Way. Um, I set a goal for myself a couple of years ago to intentionally extend my networks three or four people beyond um, my current connections at that time. And one, it was, you know, I'm a closet introvert. it stretched me, but also it introduced me to people who might not think the same way as me or have the same perspective on issues. So I think you have to start with that first, because anytime you end up in a room with a lot of people who think the same way, you're just not going to push the edges of whatever it is you're trying to change. So how do we deal with that discomfort? And how do we seek that out? And it is about race and ethnicity and gender and age and socioeconomic status, all of those things. 
So we're both in Iowa, of course, and when Michelle was on the show, who she also runs the African American Marketing Association, I think that's the name of it, um, uh, based in Houston, I believe. And I said, well, I'm in Iowa. It's really hard to have diversity. I mean, especially racial diversity. And he said, okay, but you're not thinking about it correctly. And I said, okay, how you tell me. And she goes, in today's world, why does everybody have to sit in Iowa? So if you need some diversity, why, you know, why can't you hire somebody who is in Houston or New York or wherever, right? And it's true, especially I think COVID has probably taught us that to an extent um, that we don't have to be in places. I, do, I will say this though, guys, I, I really hope we are still traveling at some point because uh, I do enjoy it. Um, but, you know, it's not the same given a keynote in Singapore from my basement as it is to go to Singapore, um, for sure. Uh, Vala F. Shar, he tweeted, uh, let's see, when did he tweet this? November 5th, and I retweeted it today. So he is the, uh, he's the thought leader out there, works at Salesforce, I believe. And he said, to completely disagree with someone and yet engage with them with respect and honesty is a superpower. And I mean, what do you think of that? And, and I kind of I kind of agree. It's it's a lot easier for us to just agree with each other. Right. As, as it is to have completely opposing views and not walk away. Um, I don't know, upset, I guess, at the very least drained. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately, given the week that we're in. And it, again, it calls us to deeper conversations, right? Because oftentimes there is a meeting place for us. And we disagree most when we're in the shallows, when we're talking about the surface of things. My guess is that many of us, all of us, have a deep desire for a hopeful future. We have different ideas about how to get there. Um, we hope people will be well. So it means you've got to get in it and stay in it and have respect for the human. And I don't know what else to say about it other than that. And certainly that's a stretch for me. I talk about that and use words like, Oh, yeah, that's just the way I am, and it is not, uh, particularly now, struggling with how do, we, how do we bring people in from the edges to meet in a place and to have productive conversations, allow for diversity of opinion, allow for different expressions of what the future might look like, but be committed to something larger. And I think that also brings in the tensions between me and we, the big we, and how do I um, honor myself as an individual and be authentic in the way I engage and also recognize the power of the larger we. And, and we're seeing it, how connected we are, how connected the environment is, how connected the global economy is. Um, so it's, it's a place of tension and we've got to figure out how to be in that place. I also think sometimes it is about culture to an extent, depending on where you live or where you grew up in 
Uh, as you know, I grew up in Germany and, and we're pretty to the point. And sometimes, especially if you talk to somebody, uh, you know, in, uh, I don't know, a southern United States state, um, you know, they're, they're not necessarily as straight to the point as a Western European might be. Um, and it's just like I actually had a show the other day with somebody in, in Europe and, and I was trying to get a screenshot and just, of, you know, of both of us smiling at the same time. It was virtually impossible. Um, nobody was smiling at all because, you know, we all had the German um, or European uh, resting face up. Right. And, and that's just uh, how, how we look, I guess. Um, how about communications, though? So I um, I remember, you know, some communications, they can be in person. Now we have um, the Internet for better or worse. And, and honestly, I have kind of, I have given up on some of these online forums. I mean, nothing ever good comes out of them, in my opinion, for the most part. Some people on the show tell me, oh, that's because that's a group. It's not a community. And I'm like, well, then show me a community. Show me a community where people are actually open to things and and are having a good conversation with the written word. Now, some people do it, uh, but a lot of times there's like much, there was even a thing earlier, uh, not even a big deal, but Cedar Rapids police, there was some shooting or something overnight. And today is November 6th. And so that obviously happened last night. And, and so COPD said November 6th at 10 p.m. And people are like ripping them over a stupid typo. And I'm like, it's obviously a typo, people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it's a waste of time. It's not moving anything forward. Uh, and that's just kind of a, a simple example. But how do we how do we do the communication? How do we get that under control? And, and how do we, um, you know, you know how, what are the best channels? What are the best ways to, to actually uh, collaborate and, and transform? You know, it's... It's so challenging. To me, a big piece of that is about narrative, right? It's the way you enter the room, the assumptions that you make about people and the why of behavior or something spoken or written. Um, so again, it it's about creating the container. I've been in some very powerful virtual groups recently and have been amazed and enlivened by being in groups with people from all over the world. But we have to be thoughtful and intentional. We have to make some things explicit. And going back to your conversation about directness versus indirectness, I think it's time for some really explicit conversations where we explore assumptions because you can't legislate, you can't make rules around enough different behaviors to guarantee civility. Civility comes from the way we think about and act on our beliefs about our community, about the people in our community. So that's a conversation. Ideally, it, it's an in-person conversation because also, I believe, when you have to look in someone's eyes, um, be in the same space with them, even virtually, um, it becomes much harder to hold on to a demonizing narrative or a polarizing narrative, which means, and this is something you've talked about for years, we have to tell our true story. We have to share 
parts of ourselves that uh, may feel um, tender or vulnerable. And when we do that, people engage with us in that place. That may be a more philosophical answer than you were looking for. <laughs> I'm just looking for conversations. <laughs> um, so, of course, I also like uh, the, the communication in person, um, you know, but as Chris Kraft previously said, there is some communications you can move to Slack, uh, but I do think people have to learn how to communicate. Um, and rule number one, honestly, guys, proofread what you're sending before you send it, especially when you voice dictate. I do it all the time, and, you know, it's always funny how my wife can actually understand what I'm saying. Even when you have meetings in person, uh, Jim Mayu was on the show and he talked about this really quickly. Uh, you know, make sure people actually are on the same page. I mean, I've been in meetings where, you know, everybody, oh, yeah, yeah, we get it. We're, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. And it's like, we're not even in the same book, right? We're not even in the same library. So, um, so how do you, what, what tips do you have to move forward from something like that when, uh, even when you have that great conversation uh, and you want to move forward together? I think, again, it goes back to that explicit conversation. So you really have to mine for what does that look like? If we say we agree on this, this horizon line, this objective, let's talk about what that looks like in action. What will you see? What will I see? How will we experience it? And walk through that. Uh, we tend to, and I know this has been a, a big challenge for me, if people say the words, you think, ah, yes, we're all aligned. Well, especially right now, words get used over and over and they become uh, less specific, I think. You know, when they get overused, uh, they get applied to all kinds of stretchy different ideas so explicit confirm it describe it um, what will it look like in action yeah and what does that word mean to you right explain your definition i mean there's a lot of words out there they have different definitions to different people um, the other thing is uh, thank you for mentioning telling your authentic story i still think that's something i, I, I still something i believe in Still something I think companies have to do because um, if you just if you're just out there, you have the same old story like everybody else. Um, and then the, the worst ones are who say, oh, yeah, we're just in it to make money. And I'm like, well, everybody wants to make money, but you have you have to go a little deeper than that. I mean, if you have nothing to even sell, uh, good luck. Uh, Michelle Garrett actually mentioned that yesterday. And, you know, so here's one one quick tip. And all the people that we've mentioned today, they know this. So when they hear me say it, they're not going to be surprised. They're not going to feel um, exploited. But why do we mention other people on the show? First of all, because I think it adds to the show, because it fits into the show. Secondly, it shows off that I remember previous episodes. So I'm not that old. Um, and then second of all, we'll give them a shout out on Twitter so they can listen to Leslie's show a lot of them will probably share it, quite frankly, as well. So, of course, they're part of my network. Um, and that's that's new, too, right, Leslie? How do we network with people? I mean, when we were at United Way, we were slowly making the move into the digital realm. But most networks meant you come to my office, I come to your office. 
uh, I get in the car. And today, it's like the, the people we mentioned. I mean, Michelle is uh, in Houston. Seth is, I don't know where, Valafshar is in San Francisco, I think, or maybe the East. Anyway, none of them are near us, except Jim Mayu. He's in, in the Cedar Rapids area. Um, so building a network is very different now than it used to be. Absolutely. But so much more fun. Uh, I would like to put a, a map of the world up on my office wall and uh, begin noting all the different places. And what an awesome way to explore different perspectives. It's immediate. Uh, people And people are distant enough from you that uh, there's there's good space for exploring ideas. And I think that's really powerful. I do too. And it's actually much more efficient. I mean, I'm, you know, not to get into the whole COVID situation too much, but uh, everybody here in my house is having appointments. I mean, the kids are with the doctor and it's like, you know, you don't, you don't go see the doctor. You have a tele, tele call, Zoom call, really. And I'm like, I mean, in the old days, I'd have to drive to the doctor's office. 30 minutes, whatever, you wait there. So you already lost 45 minutes. Then you have a 10 minute meeting and then you drive home. You know, it's like an hour and a half affair. And now it's like, you know, you have a, you have a meeting, you hop on the call. When the call is done, you're, you're done. You're back home. So certainly that doesn't work for everything. Um, Leslie, how do people, uh, I mean, certainly they can reach out collective-clarity.com. How, uh, how do they work with you? What, what does that process usually look like? You know, it's been a lot of fun. Actually, it often starts with something like this, where um, hearing me talk about some ideas triggers a connection to the work uh, that someone is doing in an organization or a collective. And simple email, use the contact form on my website. Um, I'll get back to you. We'll just explore what your needs are. The other thing that I pride myself on is being a connector. So even if I'm not the right connection for uh, the work that people want to do, I'm going to help you navigate that and find the right resources. My goal is to help people build a powerful container to do the work they want to do, to feel energized instead of exhausted by what's in front of them, and to feel like they can create a hopeful future for themselves, for the people that they work with, in their communities. And whether you call it a new normal or waiting for the old normal or whatever it might be, uh, it is time to, we have to move forward, right? I mean, there's, uh, we can't stand still. We have to uh, live with what's going on. Um, and, you know, just, uh, that's also the next play mentality that I talk about in content performance culture. Of course. Leslie, it was great to have you on the show. Thank you for sharing your insights. Uh, nice to catch up with you. Nice to see you. Great to see you. Thanks. You bet. Thanks, everyone, for listening and watching. Um, if you listen on the podcast channels, make sure you connect on LinkedIn. We always go live uh, with these recordings roughly almost a month before they end up on the podcast channels. So if you want the early, early access, that's where you can get it. Thanks for watching and listening. Until next time.